Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and those who don't identify as either, you are listening to Ratchet and Respectable with Demetria L. Lucas. Oh my God, can you hear my fan in the background? It is hot, y'all. Hot. Oh, I've got the AC going. There is not central air. There's units in every room of the house. There's one in the living room, another in the kitchen, one in each of the bedrooms. I have this little office nook, not so much an office, just literally a nook where there's a desk and I've set up my laptop and my uh, production equipment for the podcast there. And it's in this like space where there is no air circulating. So I have this little handy hand fan. I don't know if I've talked about this yet. I have so many observations of, of being in Ghana for like the last two weeks. But um, when I go out to the clubs or, or the lounges or anywhere, really, I'll see women with these like hand fans, the electric ones. Like it's just you hold a little fan like up to your face. I've only seen in the States women who are going through menopause use them. But here it'd be so damn hot. People be at the club dancing their ass off with the fan held up to their face. The first night I saw it, I was dripping sweat and it was outdoors. It was so humid. And I was like, I got to get me one of them fans. So I got me one of them fans, but this is actually the first time I'm using it, sitting in the house with two ACs going at the same time with the fan held up to my face because I'm in a hot zone in my house. It would make sense to just go ahead and like actually move my equipment to the other side of the house, but then it's not like, you know, comfortable taping height. I'd have to sit on the floor. It's all good. Y'all just gonna have to hear the fan in the background as long as I'm in Ghana. It is what it is. You know, on my social media pages and even on here, I've been talking a lot about my experiences in Ghana. I I do Dear Mums every couple days and I do um, updates to my Instagram stories either very late at night or very early in the morning. And overall, I'm having like a really good time. And I've actually purposely been speaking about like the positive aspects of, of Ghana. I think there's so much that people hear negative about Africa in general and and West Africa specifically that um, I'm like, you've heard that narrative before. Like, I don't really need to talk to you about like 
poverty or disease or any of that. I mean, like I live in L.A. a few blocks over from Skid Row. And I don't get on the podcast when I'm in L.A. and talk about, you know, the ongoings of the unhoused or people who have who are experiencing, um, you know, mental distress because there's a lot of that, too. I don't get on here and detail that every week, even though that's a very prominent part of, of living in Los Angeles right now. Like you can't drive anywhere, whether it's, you know, Beverly Hills or North Hollywood or, you know, downtown where I am without seeing like, you know, tents. So I just think it's kind of weird that people expect, and I mean literally expect, like have emailed me and be like, why do you only talk about the nice places? Why don't you talk about, you know, the poverty or the disease or like the socioeconomic, political? And I was like, why is that required? That That's so weird to me. Again, you don't require me to talk about Skid Row. Like no one's ever emailed me and be like, well, you live in LA. Why don't you talk about Skid Row? Or any other country I've been to. Like when I go to Mexico, no one expects me to talk about the socio-political, economic challenges of Mexico. But somehow when I come to Ghana, people are like, well, why don't you talk about the government and corruption? And I was like, why? And one, I don't know. That's not something I researched before I bought a plane ticket. And I don't know why I should. Like maybe when I move, because policies that exist or are put in place will affect me. But just to come on vacation... Even an extended one, girl, bye. But, I mean, Accra is like any other city. Like, it has its magic. I went to some place last night with British Bay. Actually, there were two places he wanted us to check out. So we went to both. But we went to one, and it was like, it was like this beautiful, all, like, decorated, lit up, like, very gigantic tree in the middle of the space. And around it was, you know, just cute tables. And there were cabanas, like, all the way around with, like, the curtains blowing in the wind. And it was just, like, beautiful blackness. Like, today is actually a bank holiday in Ghana. I have no idea what the holiday is. I just know everybody's off. But last night, because I guess people had the day off today, like, everyone and their mother was out. And it looked like something out of L.A. Like, it was it was just absolutely gorgeous. And um, the way Ghana's neighborhoods are set up, like, the most popular ones are situated near the airport. You know, usually like, say like New York or LA, like you're trying to get away from the airport, but they situated like the good areas near the airport. But so like, as we're having like dinner and cocktails, there are planes flying over, which are kind of loud, but you get used to the noise after a while. But they're really beautiful. Like the planes flying over, like all lit up at night. I keep trying to capture it on video, but like, you know, they move so fast. And as soon as you hear them, they're right above your head. So I'm always late grabbing my phone. The same thing happened at Afrochella. We were right next to the airport and like every five, 10 minutes, like a plane would fly over like super low. It was really beautiful. Oh, something else here that I've never heard anybody talk about. These women are built. You know how women in America, like a lot of women are getting BBLs, BBL bodies, but natural. Like the tiny waist and the gigantic booty and, and the big old boobies. Like these women are stacked. The guys here don't even seem to notice because, like, damn near everybody's like that. And I mean everybody from, like, the women selling water when you're stopped in traffic, like, the market women, like, the, the, the sales women at the stores, the nail technicians, the women at the clubs. You, you just see it more because they have on, like, the short, tight dresses, but, like, stack, stack. Like, God damn. I feel like I need to get a BBL just to, like, come over here and, like, look halfway decent. I'm like, well, do y'all see me? Will y'all notice me? Because, like, I got some ass. I don't have a whole lot of ass. They got a lot of ass over here. Beautifully shaped. Stacked, stacked. But that was not what I wanted to say. I wanted to address something else. So there were a bunch of Americans who have been in Ghana 
for the holidays. And, you know, more and more people have heard about Ghana, heard about Accra specifically, and for the holidays specifically. So they come over and hang out. And then they write about their experiences on social media, which fair. Like you go on vacation anywhere else, you write about your experiences, what happened, the fun you had. And for a lot of people, coming to Accra can be a very spiritual experience. Spiritual, maybe is that the right word? Let me describe. So like the first time I came over here, there were certain things that stood out to me. So one of them was like the black people on the money, which I've seen before when I go to the island. Okay. The thing that really hit me though was driving down the street and Ghana has like these really giant billboards and all the ads are black people, which you would say that like, yeah, of course that makes sense. Like it's a black nation. Like the ad should have black people, but think about the way that things are marketed to us back home. You can actually like, you know, watch BET and see ads with white people. Or you can flip through a magazine that's aimed at black people and still see ads of white people. There's a bigger influx of black faces in in television now or commercials now or ads now. But it hasn't always been that way. Like think about how how many black folks, you know, that wear self-included that rock like Louis Vuitton or Gucci or Dior or any of those Euro brands. Michael Kors, Coach. Coach does better. Michael B. Jordan is actually the face of Coach right now. But like, think about all those ads for like the luxury things that black people, that a lot of black, for a lot of the brands that like black people rock. You rarely see black people in those ads. But then you come to Ghana and it's nothing but black people in the ads. Not just like black people, like very visibly brown chocolate people, not like mixed of indeterminate ethnic origin or like, you know, always the light skinned woman and dark skinned man, which you do see here, too. But you'll also see ads of like just two brown girls going shopping or you'll see an ad for a family and like the mother's brown, the father's brown and both the kids look like they actually came from that union. There's no biracial, ambiguous daughter. And you're like, how them two people make that baby? Where that baby come from? So seeing like reflections of yourself essentially celebrated because you're seeing it in these gigantic ads, like seeing women that look like you and not always small either. Like there's small women, there's curvy women, there's thick women, there's fat women. It's like a whole range of sizes. And if you're not accustomed to seeing that, which you're not, if you come from the States, like that's a big deal. Or you go out to the clubs and I'm going to speak more about this in a second. Like you go out to the clubs and you're like a brown girl and like, Maybe you've had experiences where guys don't holler at you because, you know, a lot of American men got like huge colorism fetishes. And that's not to say it doesn't exist here. It does. But a brown girl gets love here. Or you just see like black couples everywhere. Like I live in L.A. Like most of the black guys I see are with white chicks. That's not all black guys, but most of them that I see in my experience, I'm only speaking on what I see. But that's my that's what I see in L.A. Dudes don't really holler at me in L.A. I'm too big for L.A. I'm fine on the East Coast and the South, but in L.A., like, I'm just pure fat. Like, I'm not even thick in L.A. Like, you come here and, like, the men show love to, like, women of all sizes. And and, and even if they're not specifically showing it to you, like, as a tourist, like, you know, maybe they don't have interest in you because that's a mixed bag, too. But when you see couples out and about, you can see, quote, and unquote, what would be called a regular ass girl back home being loved on and doted on and paid attention to and out on a date with her dude or out with her husband. It gives you like a tinge of hope. And then a lot of people have been talking about experiences such as that. You know, it goes beyond that. But those are just some of the observations that I made and that I've also seen other people make. And because so many people are talking about it, like it's a thing. I've also seen people 
and women specifically who are from the continent, who are from West Africa, who are like, yo, y'all Americans coming over here and, and getting on social media talking about these Wakanda, Zamunda visions of, of Africa and painting it like it's nothing but, you know, pretty pictures and black love. It's just like, what the fuck are y'all doing? It's not accurate. And you're skipping over, you know, again, the socio-political, economic all the stuff that also comes along with being here. And I was like, one, like, why are you expecting this of tourists? Like, never have I gone to Miami and somebody was like, did you talk about the governor? Am I supposed to? I talk about the governor of Florida from time to time because he's trash, but it's not tied to a vacation. But I saw that and then I was like, well, I don't know what the, what the expectation is because I think if people came over here, stayed for a week, and then started complaining about the socioeconomic political goings-on of the country they visited, the obvious and rightful response would be like, you were here for a week. What do you know about my country? What do you know about my politics? What do you know about my government? What do you know about the poverty here, or the, the culture here, the finances here, the economics? Like, What do you know? You were here for a week and you spent most of it partying. How dare you? That would be the right reaction because how would you know? That's not something you can pick up on in a week. And if you come over here and dog aspects of the culture... Because it is a very different culture. Like, you know, the common thing about Accra is like, oh, come, everyone speaks English. They do. But the common language is tree. And that's what they speak to each other. Not to us. To each other, they speak their native language, as they should. But there's a lot swirling around that just being here, like, we're missing because we're not, we're not even overhearing the conversations that people are having. Because we don't understand the language. Is it an expectation that I, I learn a whole new language just to go on vacation? I don't think so. I'll try to pick up more when I move here just for the sole fact that it makes it easier to navigate the city. But I don't think that's a fair ask for people going on vacation. I also think there's something at play, too, is around the world, because of the way American entertainment is exported, all our TV shows, all our films, all our music is exported globally. So even people who don't speak English know American artists and can sing American songs, even if they don't fully understand what's being said. Everyone else in the world, because of the way entertainment is exported, knows way more about America and Americans than we do about them. And because of the, I guess, the finances and power of the American government, things that happen in America have a global impact. And say that, like, if the government in Ghana was unstable, that's not really going to have a big effect on us. But if our government is unstable, the world gets impacted by it. I think there's a resentment there, which a fair one, I would say, that like, I know all this about you, whether I want to or not, like it's forced down my throat. And then you know nothing about me. Fair. I get it. There was something else I saw, which I also was like, yeah, yeah. Sometimes you just got to like acknowledge like the privilege at play. There was a woman who was talking about like American women coming to Ghana to meet men and she was like understand like these men are misogynistic and they be trash just like men everywhere else like don't think you're coming here to find like your African prince or African king these dudes are another level of misogynist that they clean it up for you like understand like when you come here you're getting you're not getting an authentic African experience you're getting the tourism version of Africa because they're not showing you everything. They're showing you their best selves because you're American. And it was like an ouch to hear because you want to think that like, oh, I'm lovely and people are treating me lovely because I'm a lovely person. But the truth of the matter is you being American does play a factor. I kind of like to think of it as the way that sometimes we talk about how 
you know, you'll hear black guys, some black guys, not all. I think it's important to say this isn't an all. Um, but sometimes you'll hear black guys. And there was recent, there was like a podcast um, episode. I don't know the name of it and I don't want to promote it by name. And I don't want to promote it by naming it. But these guys did a podcast episode and I didn't see the episode. I just heard about the clapback where they like dog the fuck out of black women. Like they went in about how they don't date black women. Black women aren't attractive. What's wrong with black women? You know, all the negative stereotypical things that you know typically are said and it was so bad that joe budden had to clap back and i was like is this the same joe budden who like olivia dope accused of sexual harassment and talking crazy to her that joe budden like if he's offended my god what did you say that joe budden joe budden found it offensive you have you have been so offensive that a man who offends is offended so offended that he felt the need to clap back in defense of black women my god the sexism, the misogyny. That said, you know, guys will sometimes be like, well, that's why white women treat us better. And I think there might be some truth in it. Because I, I think the black men who sit around and talk about how like black women are trash, when they approach white women, they don't approach them by telling them that they're trash <laughs> and they have bad attitudes and they're not physically attractive and how much they hate their, their hair, their weight, their makeup, just everything about them. Like they put white women on pedestals and they approach them as such. So if you roll up on a woman, you're treating her well and you're whining and dining her and you're not talking to her about like submission and paying 50-50 and who gets the big piece of chicken and what type of plate that a man should be served on before his children at the dinner table. It changes the way people respond to you. So if you're rolling up on black chicks talking about like we could split a coffee date and you have to prove your worth to me and what do you bring to the table? And you roll up on a good Becky and you're like trying to invite her to Nobu or Houston's, whatever your pockets can afford. But you're coming at her correct, trying to impress her, trying to show your best self to her so that she will like you. Yeah, she's going to have less attitude with you. Yeah, when you're not telling her constantly like how inferior she is to you and that she needs to be treated like a second class citizen. Yeah, she's going to be nicer to you. I and mean, I think in the same way that I've, I've been seeing women talk about like, okay, like you come over here with like your Americanness and your American passport and your ability to like, you know, get folks visas via marriage and your American USD dollars. Yeah, dude's going to come at you real nice. And that might not be the way that they're coming to women from their own cities, from their own countries. That's not right. I don't really know what to do about it, but I want to acknowledge that like the women who said that, yes, yeah, sis, I hear you. Like someone asked me about that today and they were like, you know, you've been dating in Ghana. Like, do you feel that the men are treating you better, you know, because you're American? Um, maybe I haven't been here long enough to make any observations about how they treat other women. So in this case, I think it's probably best to defer to the women who live here, who have experience and observation. I haven't been here long enough to make an observation. I haven't been here long enough to make an informed decision about that. I also say this, I have another observation. A lot of clubs here don't play that much American music. They'll do an American music set. It's mostly Afrobeats, Nigerian rappers, British rappers. There's a music genre called High Life. I wasn't familiar with it until like two weeks ago. And I was like, oh, okay. There's something else life. I can't remember. It's High Life and something else. I wrote about it on my Instagram page, but I can't remember the name of it. That said, when I'm at the clubs, the bars, the lounges, and they play the American music set, it's very often the same song. Like, they're obsessed with that, like, Meek Mill song. Dreams and Nightmares? Is that what it is? I'm not a big Meek Mill fan. But he spit like his life depended on it. He was like, I'm getting out this fucking hood. He spit. 
only Meek Mill song I think I like. That said, they play that song a lot. And then they play like just the crudest, most vulgar of American music. Like there's Kaya, like my neck, my back, lick my, and my, I'm just like, I guess when I was hearing that song, like when I was in college in like my early 20s, I don't know. I wasn't offended, I guess, by the vulgarity of it. There was also a lot of vulgar music at that time. Like we're talking about the era of like Little Kim and Foxy Brown and Trina. And there's definitely like a time and place for that music. But it's just like hearing that imported into another country and all the songs that they play are just so either by women and their extraordinary sexual graphic and vulgar. I'm going somewhere with this. Stay with me. Or by men. And they're just so, again, sexually graphic, vulgar, and misogynistic. Like, I'm like, this is your impression of Americans. And we look classless. We look like wild beasts. Like, it's terrible. The first two guys that I met here that I went out with were very respectful when I met. Were very respectful when I met them. Very up and up. Which is why I agreed to go out with them. So the first guy... I wrote about him on my Instagram, Max. He took me out to the club. We were dancing and he was like all up on me, basically like rubbing his dick on me. And it was just really uncomfortable. And I was like looking around and I was like, nobody else is dancing like this. Like, why does he feel like he can dance with me like that? And so like, I, you know, clearly moved out the way. I was like, oh, I'm like, you know, really not comfortable. And I was like, you know, it's just really hot. And he just sort of looked almost like confused, like almost like, did I do something wrong? I was like, why would he have that impression? Because, like, I didn't know we were going to the club. I thought we were going to get something to drink. So I had on, like, a very, like, casual dress. Like, I didn't have, like, my boobs out. It wasn't super short. Um, And I was at a club where a lot of people did. And guys still weren't trying to dance with women like that. And so I was like, why does he think he can dance with me like that? Once I backed away, like, we had a nice time. It was cool. We didn't really talk that much. We were just, like, you know, in the club, hot, listening to music, dancing, having, like, a couple drinks. I think I actually only had one drink. I had water after that because it was like too hot to drink. So he drove me to my hotel that night. It was like 2.30 in the morning. And so he pulls around to the front of my hotel and then he goes to like park. And I was like, oh, no, I'm tired. I'm going upstairs like alone and going to sleep. And he was like, oh, like I'm not coming up. And I was like, no. And it was just weird. I was like, why did you make that assumption? Like, because my understanding of like how dating operates in Ghana is that the women are actually very conservative and a guy wouldn't try that. Now, I could be very misinformed, but that's what I've been receiving when I speak to women who are from this culture. People do get things popping, like no doubt. But like a first date like that, they were like, mm, that's, that's not really how they would push up on like a Ghanaian woman. Oh, so maybe it was just the dude. And so then like the next guy I met, was super affectionate, like off rip. He was really cute. I didn't really mind because he was like gorgeous. And like, he was like solid, like stone. And he was gorgeous, but like affectionate. And like, he had his hand around my waist. Like he was rubbing my back. He was almost like massaging my shoulder. Like it was nice. Like it was, it was flirty. It was fun. It was a lot like off jump, but I was like, I'm really attracted to you too. Like, okay. But it was like above board, you know, it wasn't like it made me feel icky or uncomfortable. He drove me and my girl back to our hotel after we went to a party um, and she went upstairs and she was like, I'll give you crazy kids time to yourselves. And so we were like sitting in the car, like talking. He went to kiss me and like grab my boob. And I like jumped back. Cause I was like, what the fuck? Like I just, one, I wasn't ready to kiss you. And two, like, why are you grabbing my fucking boob? Like what the fuck? And he was like, Oh, like, I'm like, I'm sorry. Like, 
like he was confused almost like he thought I would be down it was confused that I wasn't and I was like I think this is like that American shit like I think that y'all think that like American black women are whores because of what people see in like music or tv or maybe like you know keep it 100 we talk about old white women who come over here looking for like young black dudes but a lot of black women be over here too trying to find like african mandingo dick and i was like maybe that's what he thought it was like or is it the music i don't know but i was like he really came at me like super sexual aggressive so when i was reading like women who are from here being like you know guys you know come at you differently than they do us and like you know because it's your american Yeah, I think there's like, you know, maybe there's people who are trying to like, you know, get something from American women, again, money or visa, or there's people that are, you know, pushing up because they're just like, you know, it's easy to fuck. Dude apologized profusely, which is the only reason I saw him again. And this is somebody I like been in contact with before I came to Ghana. I actually met him when I was in LA and we like stayed in touch. But I was like, that's that's kind of wild to me that you came at me like that. So we hung out like a second time. But I was like, you're cute and you did apologize. But I also just like, it just rubbed me the wrong way. And I was like, yeah, I know I'm on vacation. And I don't really think boobs are sacred or anything. But I just like, I don't know. I was like, whatever it is you thought about me that made you think it was comfortable doing that. Like, I don't know if you really like change your perception just because, like, I recoiled. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm like, is this going to be a matter of time before you try some crazy shit again? And I was like, I'm on vacation. I'm not trying to, like, think this deep about it. Like, I'm not trying to I'm not trying to make some dude on a different continent my boyfriend. Like, I'm just here, like, you know, to have, like, a good time. And if somebody wants to, like, you know, with consent grab my boob, okay. But, like, not just, like, random out the fucking box. It's weird. British Bay, to credit, has been a total gentleman. He's actually, like, kind of magical. I don't even want to talk too much about him. Like, I just want to, like, I don't know, play that one close to the chest. Like, he's, like, checks off, like, the whole fucking checklist. Everything but lives on a different continent. That said, moves countries every, what, three to four years for work. And I was like, huh, I like it. Anyway, moving along. We're not talking about that. Oh, I didn't even get to the part. I think this whole episode is about to be about Ghana, y'all. I'm sorry if you're, like, looking for pop culture right now. Like, but actually, I think this kind of is. Like, I've been following this big um, Ari Lennox brouhaha about how she wrote about her experience in Ghana. She was here. She performed at, um, at Afrochella. She did a really good job at that. But she posted, I guess while she was here, after she got back, saying how much she loved Ghana. I don't know if she called it a spiritual experience, but she talked about going to the beach and being at the ocean and crying and thinking of her ancestors. And people like went in on her, like got in her ass to the point that she deleted all her tweets. And like this whole thing made the shade room. Tamika Mallory is talking about it. So me talking about Ghana is actually very on pop culture cue right now. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. 
whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. So, yesterday, there was an incident. And I was like, you know what? I don't know if I'm going to make it with this move. Like, I like Ghana. I like it a lot. I like Accra a lot because I really haven't seen all of Ghana. I've really just hung out in Accra. I like it here bunches. But I was like, I don't know if this is the move. Yesterday, I had one big thing to do and it impacted the other thing. So I moved into the apartment. I have no food. I'm used to staying in hotels, which are near restaurants, which either have restaurants or near restaurants. So food is easily accessible. So I have to go to the grocery store. No problem. Had to run some errands in the morning, got my nails done. Had to come back to the house and do like some cleaning because like it wasn't up to my standard. It was a gorgeous place, but the person who allegedly cleaned it because it didn't look like it been even wiped down to me. But I was like with COVID and everything else and like, you know, my neat freak tendencies. I was like, oh, no. So I went and bought cleaning supplies and I like clean this Airbnb from like top to bottom so I could be like comfortable in it, especially since like I'm trying to like live here. Right. So it was later in the day and I still hadn't been to the grocery store. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to lunch near the grocery store to this restaurant that's like that I had on my list of things to do while I'm here and then I'm gonna head over to the grocery store so I go to lunch it turns out it's weekend brunch it's a Thursday it's a it's a four course brunch bottomless bellinis I'm in my like run errands clothes I had on a dress and my hair looks decent because it's in braids but I had no makeup on I didn't have on a cute shoe I didn't have on jewelry I didn't even have like a good bag I just had like my little coach crossbody get in there these chicks are in full makeup, full hair, four inch heels, cute, cute, cute dresses. Like they're about to leave there and go to the club. And they've got like Dior bags, YSL, Gucci. They are on a scene to be seen. They put me in a corner because like, you know, clearly I'm fucking up the aesthetic. I eat, I chill. I'm on my phone. I'm texting with some friends. Had a wonderful time. The grocery store is like literally across the street, but like across a highway street. So I can't like walk over to it. So I look on my Uber, and again, the grocery store is across the street. It's talking about it's going to take 30 minutes to get to the grocery store. I was like, I could walk there faster. Literally, I checked Google Maps. I could walk there faster. It was 10, it was 10 minutes faster to walk to the grocery store. But again, it's Ghana. It's Accra. In the height of their summer, it's 90 degrees with humidity every single day. There is no such thing as walking to the grocery store. When I pull up on Google Maps, 
I can see that the traffic is completely gridlocked. And I was like, you know what? Maybe I'm not going to make it to the grocery store today. If I'm going to go through all this effort, I got to go to the grocery store. Then I'll have to get another car from the grocery store back to my house. And so maybe I'll just take the L and I'll go to the grocery store tomorrow. So I'm like, let me just get an Uber. Call the Uber. The short version is seven Ubers canceled on me. Because it's gridlock traffic. And also, too, Uber is super cheap here. So you'd be sitting in gridlock traffic, even with the surge fare, for the equivalent of like $3 USD. Ain't nobody doing that shit. I wait for like an hour and 15 minutes trying to get an Uber. The Ubers keep canceling. It's starting to get late, which means it's starting to get dark. If an Uber came to get me, it would take an hour and 20 minutes to get home. The place is literally 12 minutes away from my house by car. To walk is 35 minutes. It's like 5.15. The sun sets around 5.50. I can walk and make it home or make it to my apartment just when it gets dark. If I leave right now. So I had to make an executive decision. Do I sit here and wait for two hours for traffic to clear up to get a car home? And also I asked the hostess if she could call me a taxi. She tried to call and was like, yeah, nobody's coming. It's like no taxis available. So I was like, I am fucked. So I walked. I had to walk down a highway. Oh my God, why am I getting emotional? I'm totally fine. Nothing happened to me. The only thing was I was hot and like, you know, pissed that I had to walk. But like I had to walk like down a highway, like under an overpass. I wasn't the only person there. But like when I got to the highway part, it was just me for that portion. Guys in Ghana, walking down the street, like you can pass people on the street. Men don't really street harass you. Like maybe the vendors when you're like in a really popular part of the neighborhood. But they're not harassing you like cat calling you. They're harassing you to get them to, to get you to come like shop in their store. So they're constantly like, my sister, my sister, American, where are you from? Things like that. Fine. When you're walking down the street, guys will literally lean out of their car windows and like shout at you. So, and I don't know what they're shouting because it's not in English and that's all I speak. Well, Spanish and French, but I don't know any of the native languages here. So I can only imagine the crude shit that they're saying toward me. Okay. So I walk, I walk, I walk, I walk. I walk, I walk, I walk, I walk. I walk, I walk, I walk, I walk, I walk. And I got home right after dark. I'm like dripping sweat. My dress is like sweated through. My bra is sweated through. My underwear is sweated through. Like it was like exhausting. And the whole time I was walking, I was like, why the fuck are you moving to Ghana? Like, yes, it has like these amazing upsides. I feel very much like there's there's something bubbling here. Like there's a renaissance that's, you know, on the cusp occurring here. And I like like the international vibe of like all this blackness from around like the diaspora. In that moment, as I'm walking, I'm just like, this would never happen in LA because I have a goddamn car. And like, why in the hell am I moving from a city where I've got my life like all set up? Like everything's finally started to like fall into place since like, you know, the year since I left New York, like I had to rebuild my life. And what I've rebuilt actually is like better than what I had before, which was the whole point. Why am I trying to move Not just from the other side of the country to where I live, but across the Atlantic to another continent. I was like, is this really a good idea? And like, here you are with like, you know, as much privilege as these women were speaking about when it comes to like maybe dating. And they were like, you know, you're American, so you're not really experiencing like, you know, the true Ghana. Like you're just getting tourist Ghana. But I was like, my tourist Ghana ass is like walking 35 minutes 
around a city that I don't know, up and down highways. One point, like running through traffic, literally traffic was at a standstill. They were like moving inch by inch, but I had to like run across six lanes anyway. I was like, why are you doing this? At 42, no less? Like this is some shit for 20 year olds. Why are you trying to do this again? And I still haven't come up with the answer to that. Like, I was like, maybe this is it. Like, maybe I extend this trip to, like, the 17th, and I'd be like, I did a month in Ghana, and it was magic, and now I'm bringing my black ass home, and we'll figure out something else from there. I don't know. I don't know. I still haven't reached a full conclusion on that. But I do know that I got home, and notably, I called my apartment that I've only been in for three days. I've started calling it home, if you haven't noticed. I did. But I came home, I took a shower, I laid down, British Bay called and was like, I'm on my way to pick you up. It's going to take forever because traffic shit. And I was like, boy, do I know. But he picked me up and we went out and we had like a lovely time. We went to these two different venues and it was like a really like magical night, especially the first one. But it got so filled up. I think I put this on Instagram, too. I was like, there's two types of people in the world. There are the people who like to be where everyone is. And there are the people who like to be where no one else is. So we went where everyone was first, and then that got too crowded, and we were like, eh, and then we bounced to the next spot where it was a little more exclusive. It's also like COVID too. Like, even though like I'm outdoors and Ghana doesn't have the same COVID issues that America does, I still don't like being like around too many people just unnecessarily. Like if it's something I really want to do, like I'm like, ah, okay, I'm risking my life and risking not being able to get back in the country. That's a whole separate story. But no, we went to the next spot and it was dope. And I was like, oh, this is why I want to be here. Like I meet dudes like him that I would not meet at home. And I have like these like magical nights out. And then like I have these consecutive days where I'm living at a 10, which I do not have in L.A. I have them when I visit New York. But I'm just like, Demetria, like, what are you doing? And the answer is, I don't know. Sounds like a good idea at the time. I was like, maybe it's not Ghana. Maybe it's another country. I said forever I wanted to live on the continent for like at least a year. Like that's a bucket list item that I want to check off. I'll be no good if I don't get this out of my system. So I feel like I need to. But yesterday was rough. And I think it's important to tell that story because like I talk about the stuff on my Instagram. And I know I have a way of like, you know, sharing a story. And sometimes people will be like, oh my God, I want to live that experience. But I think it's, you know important to be mindful that Instagram is a curated experience. There's a word count on the captions on Instagram. Like I can't share everything even if I wanted to. And I'm a storyteller. Like this is literally what I've done for a living for the past like, you know, two decades. So I tell you like the highlights, but I think it's important to tell the lowlights as well. Because people were like, Demetria, I'm about to sell all my worldly possessions and get on a flight to Ghana so I can live my best life, which is possible. But just know that, you know, it's not all like rainbows and roses. Like there's, you know, there's other sides to it. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey, <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better and dating safer. They've changed. So you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. 
Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. I wrote this piece that I posted on my private Facebook page earlier today, and it was about observations that I've made about Ghana. And I was saying that, you know, like, I'm very American. Like, that's where I was born. That's where I was raised. With rare exception, when I lived in the UK for like that six months when I was studying abroad, which was 20 years ago. I'm not sure how significant, if any, that experience still has on my life like now. But otherwise, I've only lived in the States. So as much as, you know, I'd be like, America is trash. I also am very, very American, which I only realize when I like leave America. I like to think that like, oh, I'm not like the other Americans. And then like I leave and be like, oh, no, that's me. That's me too. Okay. But just like observations that I've, that I've made about being here in Ghana that are very different. And I say observations because I want to make it clear that I'm not saying that like one thing is better or one thing is worse. I'm just saying that there are things that are different that, you know, being here, I've had to adjust to. Like the sense of time. There's CP time and then there's like African time. So like, like an American barbecue starts at two, right? American black folks would show up at like, I don't know, 4, 4.30. Okay. That same event starts at 2. Africans would show up at 7. Maybe 8. The concept of time is much different. Like, I had a nail appointment. And, like, knowing what I know about time, I didn't leave my house until 9. The nail appointment was um not so far away. I got there at 9.15. Like, my girl, the, the woman who was assigned to do my nails, she didn't roll through till 945. And no one said anything to her. Like, like, was there an emergency? Like, you were late? Like, is something going on? She didn't come over to apologize? Like, nothing. That's just, you know, the concept of time. If you go to a restaurant, I mean, and no matter, like, where you go. I haven't been to anything that you would call fast food or anything like that. Like, all the places that I've been to are pretty upscale, ritzy type places, like the equivalent of places that I would go to when I'm in LA. The hotels that I've stayed at, I've stayed at probably like the top three hotels in Accra. But without fail, any time that I have ever tried to order anything, the first thing I order or one of the things that I order, if there are multiple things, one of them is not available. It's on the menu, but it's not available. I was poolside at one of the hotels and the first three things that I ordered, they didn't have available. So we had to go with option four. I went to a bar the other day at the beach and I ordered, I wanted a rum punch. And I was like, just give me rum and like whatever kind of juice you have. Like, that's fine. So the guy said, cool. And then he came back 10 minutes later, not like immediate. He came back 10 minutes later and was like, madam, we don't have juice. You don't have any juice? Like just, okay, you don't have pineapple. Okay, just, well, what do you have? Like, give me, what other juice do you have? And he was like, no, madam, we have no juice. You have no juice at all. None whatsoever. No, madam, no juice. Okay. But that's like common. Like the same thing happened at literally every restaurant I have been at. I order and then they come back and tell me like, oh, we don't have X, Y, Z, basically choose something else. Like, okay. Um, But that's just part of the culture. And it's not something I can like complain about because it's one of those things like, you know, what you want is like American service and American access and American whatever. Then you need to take your ass back to America, which trust me. When I was marching up that goddamn street yesterday, I was like, I'm taking my ass back to America. (laughs) But no, like, it's going to be like a lot of, um, you know, cultural challenges, which, you know, I I said that's what I wanted. It's just when they happen, I'd be like, God damn, damn, damn. 
Because it always comes out of left field, like stuff that you just would never expect at home, which I think for anybody, wherever home is, like, you know the culture, and so you can kind of plan around some things. And because you know the culture, you know what's normal and what's batshit. So, like, another example, I go for a walk every morning, and this is when I was staying at one of the hotels. So I left the hotel and the guy saw me, like I spoke to the guard on the way, I spoke to the guards on the way out. Um, specifically so they wouldn't give me a hard time when I came back in. Cause I knew I was going to be like a hot sweaty mess. And I just wanted them to like, let me in without a hassle. And this was like my first night there. I driven into the hotel. And so I do that is like the entrance. And that was the only, um, entrance that was open when I stepped outside the hotel. So I walked out that entrance. It was the car entrance. It makes no difference to me. I wasn't about to get hit by a car. Okay, whatever. So I go out the entrance. I go run my errands, get my SIM card, get some cash, take some pictures, come back to the hotel. I come back through the car entrance because that's what's open. So as I'm approaching the entrance to the actual hotel, like I'm like three steps from like the door to get in. This guard approaches me and he says, you came through the car entrance. You can't come through that way. And he was like, you have to come through the pedestrian entrance over there. And he points. I turn around and look. And I say, okay. And he said, okay, now go out and go back around. What? He said, go out and go back around. You have to come in the pedestrian entrance. And I was like, no, that's stupid. I'm standing right here. I'm almost at the entrance of the hotel. Like, I'm not going back out and walking around to come through the pedestrian entrance. Like, you've told me where it is. And when I go out and come back again, that's the entrance that I will use. Thank you. But I'm not walking outside and back around. And he said, you cannot come into the hotel coming through the car entrance. And I was like, there's no cars coming in. There's no threat to me. It wasn't like I almost got hit by a car or a car didn't see me. There was almost an accident. I was in the way of a car. Like, there was no car. Like, like, are you serious right now? He was like, madame, you have to go out and come back around. And I was like, no, it's dumb. I'm not doing that. So I tried to move forward. And he like literally steps over and like blocks me again. He's a gigantic man. I can't walk through him. He was like, madame, you have to go back out. You have to come in through the pedestrian entrance. No. He was like, you can't come in the hotel. And I was like, I can argue with you all day. I don't have anything to do. I'm on vacation. When it became clear to me that this mofo was really not going to let me take like two to three steps to get into the hotel, I was like, okay, if you acknowledge to me that what you're asking is stupid, he was like, okay, it's stupid. It's stupid. And I was like, okay, then why am I doing it? And he was like, because those are the rules. That's what you have to do. You have to go out. You have to come back around. This shit went on back and forth for a good like five to seven minutes. And I was like, fine. Okay. If I have to go out and come back in, then you have to go out with me and walk me around and bring me back in. And he looked at me like I was stupid. And I was like, if you want me to do something stupid, you got to do it too. We're going to be stupid together. So he walked me out. We walked off the hotel property, walked around and came in the pedestrian entrance. And in between the time that we left, the pedestrian entrance was open. The guard who was at the pedestrian entrance closed it while we went outside and walked around and opened it again when we walked back up. And I was like, y'all just want to be busy for no reason, for no reason. Y'all ain't got nothing better to do to antagonize people. Y'all got to secure something. Ain't nothing to secure because ain't nobody really coming in and out of here. It's like seven o'clock in the morning. Y'all are bored and antagonizing me. So we walked through the pedestrian entrance and I walked into the hotel and he's going to be like, have a good day, madame. Yeah. Uh huh. I've had so many versions Of something like that. Like we went to the pool too. And there was a guard at the pool. (laughs) And 
I was putting on sunblock. And he came over to me and said, you can't get in the pool with that. With, huh? With what? And he was like, what you're spraying? He's like, there's no chemicals in the pool. It's sunblock. Like, what? Like, the pool has chlorine. Like, what do you, what? And he was like, there's no chemicals in the pool. And he was pointing somewhere. There were outdoor showers. He's like, you have to take a shower first before you, you know, get in the pool because you have chemicals. And I was like, are you serious right now? Like, are you for real serious? He very much was. And I was like, fine. Then, like, I just won't get in the pool because, like, this is stupid. He goes to another woman who's already in the pool. She had, like, hoop earrings on. And he's telling the woman that she has to get out the pool and take her earrings off. And he's, like, looking at other women in the pool who may have on any kind of jewelry. And he's making them take their jewelry off. I also noticed... And I didn't really think about it. There were a lot of women with like cornrows going straight back. And it's not really something you see very often in Ghana. Like a lot of women have braids, not just cornrows. And I don't mean like cornrows with extensions, like done up into like a style, but just like cornrows, like you would lay your hair to, um, to put your wig on. When my friend came back and I was like, yo, these guards are like crazy out here. I was like, dude, like barked at me for wearing sunblock. And so she was like, girl, I'll give you one better. He went to this woman and told her she had to take her wig off before she got in the pool. And mind you, we're at like a resort, like a nice resort that you pay good money to get into. It's like upscale. But they're having women who come with like their families, their men, their their boyfriends, their husbands. Like you, you like got sexy to come out to this like, you know, sexy situation. And this man is telling you, you got to take your wig off before you get in the pool. And they was doing it. That's why it was so many women sitting in the pool with their cornrows going straight back because they took their wigs off. I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. I was like, this is nonsense. I was like, what you think is going to happen? And so she was like, when he was barking on the other woman, like she was pushing back too. And she was like, I'm not taking my wig off. That's crazy. He was like, why do I need to take my wig off to like get in the water? And he was like, if your wig comes off, it could get sucked into the drainage of the pool and block something. And I was like, one... If you got your good wig on, you really not getting wet like that. And if your wig comes off, you grab it for that thing immediately. That thing costs money. You're not just going to let it float away into the pool drainage system. They had women taking off their wigs with their men right there. Oh, no. But that's the type of stuff that you just, you leave the house and you just like, because you don't know the culture. And you don't really know what people are going to come at you with is like, this is okay. This isn't okay. Like, this is acceptable. And you don't really know, like, what to argue. Because, like, if somebody told me, like, you know, take your wig off, I would have been 38 hot. But apparently, like, that's just how they roll. And I'm like, how the fuck would I know that? Like, if somebody asked me to do that in America, I'd be like, you sound fucking dumb. No, because that's not the culture. Like, you know, like, that's a bizarre thing to ask somebody to do. Here, I feel like sometimes it just be at the whims of the security. They just be coming up with shit. I'm like, this makes no sense. The common sense in me, and it's another thing. Common sense is only common in the culture. The common sense that applies to me as an American does not apply here. Last story, and then we're done for the week. I had to call the, uh, the house manager for my place. And he had to send somebody over because I couldn't figure out how to use the washer and dryer. It's an all-in-one. I washed my clothes, and I couldn't dry them. And I tried to do it twice and the clothes wouldn't dry. Also, I couldn't turn the oven on. I was like, I don't think the oven's working. Like, you know, I pressed all the buttons. I've done a million combinations and, you know, like it's not working. So he comes over and he checks the clothes that are in there. And he was like, you know, these are dry. And I was like, they're not dry. They're wet. He was like, yeah, like, you know, they're, this is, 
how this is how the machine dries them. And then you have to hang them on the line to dry them. And I was like, okay, no, what you're saying makes no sense. So you're telling me that they're dry, but then you're telling me I have to hang them to dry them, which means they're not dry. And he was like, okay, so like the machine has dried them to, and I'm saying this in my American way. He said it in another way, but the machine has dried them to the point that the machine is able to dry. And then from here, you must continue the drying by hanging them on the line. And then he's showing me the line and like the pins to hang my clothes on. And I was like, you got to be fucking kidding me. I'm paying more to stay in this place per month than my, than my place in L.A. I mean, it is bigger than my place in L.A. And I still got to dry my clothes on a line? He's like, yes, madame. Sir, stop calling me madame. Because <laughs> I feel like when they be madame, it'd be the same way. I'd be like, ma'am, ma'am, sir, sir, ma'am, madame. Madame, I had to go hang my panties on the line, y'all, to get them dry. I mean, it only took an hour because it's hot as shit, but still. And in the oven, <laughs> I had to apologize to him. I was like, my bad. I'm American. I'm sorry. <laughs> Remember how Kevin Hart apologized to Don Cheadle? Don Cheadle was like, because I'm 56. And Kevin was like, damn. And then Don Cheadle looked at him like he was about to cut him like mouse. And Kevin was like, I'm sorry. That's what I had to do to this dude. So I called these men and I told them that my clothes wasn't dry and there was something wrong with the oven. And he sent this kind man out to, you know, assist the American with the, you know, the broken appliances that I didn't break in the house. Come to find out wasn't broken. They, they were operating exactly as intended. I just didn't know the next step to dry my quote unquote dry clothes. Okay. The oven. Dude presses some buttons on the oven. It lights up, but nothing happens. And mind you, I did this thing with the oven. I pressed all these buttons. I pressed two buttons at the same time. I tried to press a combination of buttons. Like, I tried to go back and forth with buttons. Like, I, I did everything I could to get this shit to work. So, dude presses, like, a couple buttons. I mean, it took all of, like, five seconds. And then he leans over into the corner, and he says, Madame. So, I look up and look at him. He looks me dead in my eye. And then he pushes this red button to turn the electricity on for the oven. Stove. I keep saying oven. Oven, stove, all in one. And I was like, oh. Because, like, the outlets here, when I plug stuff in, every outlet has a little, like, power on, power off button. So, like, you know, when you're not using it, it doesn't, even though something's plugged in, it still may be draining power. You turn the power off on the individual outlet. And I didn't realize that there was a larger individual outlet for the oven and the stove. Because, you know, back home, like, our stuff just you know, stays plugged in, but I ain't back home. So yeah, but he looked at me, you know, that guy on TikTok, the black guy, Kirby, Carby, K-H-A-R-B-Y. He never speaks. I ain't never heard a boy say nothing. He looked at me just like how dude be looking when he corrects somebody's stupid shit. He just ain't put his hands out. But the dude looked at me like I was so goddamn dumb. I felt so small. I was like, I'm sorry. I'm my bad. I'm an American. I'm sorry. I, I don't even know if he understood exactly what that meant. Like, shit's just different. I didn't know. My bad. I'm, I ain't talked to nobody with bass in my voice. I was like, please. Because I begin every sentence with please because I'm trying to pick up the, uh, I'm trying to utilize the, um, the speech patterns of where, I, of the locals because it just makes it easier to navigate. It's, what is it called? Mirroring to make people find like more familiarity with you. It's just a little tweak. To make the city just a little bit easier to navigate. I was like, please, can you help? 
I don't know if I'm up for this challenge, y'all. Even after last night, which was really, really great. And then today, like, I finally did make it to ShopRite. The driver who picked me up, I asked him if he could stay because I was, like, really scared of, like, getting stuck over in that area again and having to walk back home again with groceries this time. I was like, no, that's not the move. So I asked the dude if he could stay, and he was like, of course, madam. He was like, yes, madam. So he stayed, and I went and got my groceries, and I came out, and he drove me back. And he told me what the price was, and I gave him like a, I gave him a huge tip, and he was trying to give it back to me, and I was like, "No, it's the tip. Like, thank you for waiting for me. Like, it made my day so much easier. Thank you." I try to take care of folks who take care of me, because Lord knows I was done after that walk yesterday. I was like, "I'm about to go change my flight and carry my ass back to LA." I don't know why I'm trying to derail my life this way, but it's a bucket list item. I don't think on my deathbed I will feel fulfilled if I don't do this. So I'm committed to doing it. I just got to figure out how to do it in the most convenient way for me possible. Oh, I have so many stories. I'm about to tell y'all the story about the grocery store. With the eggs, they weren't refrigerated and it freaked me out. And I was like, oh, and then the white eggs and the brown eggs were like in cartons together. I'm used to like, you know, my eggs being segregated because it's America. But they were like all mixed in together. And I was like, the white and the brown eggs are together and they're not refrigerated? So confused. And apparently refrigerating eggs is not necessary when they're like farm eggs. But in America, we're not actually eating like fresh eggs. We're eating like some weird pasteurized shit. So it has to be refrigerated as opposed to just, you know, letting the eggs be as they're supposed to be. And apparently eggs last like two to three weeks unrefrigerated. Who knew? Except like a bunch of people in my IG stories. They were like, yeah, that's normal. Like, don't freak out. The eggs are safe. You're good. Am I? We'll talk about my grocery store experience another day. I almost had to melt down the grocery store too. Because I was like, oh shit. Like, I make very specific things like I know how to make like six to seven meals really really well that nourish me and make me happy and taste really good and like none of that shit is available (laughs) in Ghana like there are no avocados I realize I don't know how to make rice like I know how to microwave it I know how to put it in a cooker when I'm at my mom's house but like just like rice on a stove do you boil it? I have no idea. How do you season it? I have no idea whatsoever. I wanted to buy fish. All the fish had heads on it. And I was like, I'm not chopping that shit off. Like, what the fuck am I supposed to do with the fish head? I'm going to chop the head off the fish and then do what with it? Touch it? Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, it's, this is about to be a whole goddamn ordeal. Somebody was like, Demetria, you should have your own TV show. I should. This is about to be a shit show. Even I know it. Good TV. The Lord. Pray for me, y'all. I'm not in any danger. I'm very healthy. I'm very safe. I want for nothing. I'm good. But just, it's about to be an ordeal trying to put my life together on another continent. Why am I doing this again? So I won't be old and regret. (sighs) Demetria. (laughs) All right. That's the episode for this week. We'll be back next week with some pop culture conversation. I'm sorry for those of y'all who just listened to the podcast for pop culture. I'll try to post some more pop culture stuff on my social media. The people have still been like, you didn't review the Insecure finale. I watched that thing so long ago. I actually might have to like go rewatch it again in order to recap it. Because I, I promise on Tuesday, I'll do all pop culture. 
Monday is the anniversary, the three-year anniversary of the podcast. So we'll celebrate it by doing all pop culture on Tuesday. You know I'm lying. But let me just say that right now so the people who are pissed about today will be good for Tuesday. Sorry. My bad. All right. If you have not picked up your Ratchet and Respectable merch, there is some available on the site currently. DemetriaLLucas.com. I told you there's a drop coming. It's not going to happen on the 10th. Someday when I'm over... It was an innocent mistake, and I take responsibility. There was a typo in one of the shirts that I didn't catch, and the printer didn't catch, and nobody caught it until they were, like, folding and packing, and they were like, this is spelled wrong. Our bad. At least I caught it before, like, I tried to put it on sale, because then y'all would have been like, girl, bye. Out here with this bootleg shit. Run them spoons! So that part of the merch drop is being pushed, which I was so upset about. Like I was talking to my biz partner and I was like, it has to drop on the 10th. It has to drop on the 10th because that's the anniversary. And he was like, you know that that's an important date to you, but like no one else cares. Like just, he's like, I care. But like me and you are the only people that care. Everyone else is like, oh, congratulations. Like they're excited about the anniversary, but like the merch dropping, like they just want it dropped in the right colorways. And then finally spelled right when it comes out. They'll wait. Will you? I hope you will. (laughs) My life, my life, my life. Now I'm Mary J. Blige. Okay, I'm done. I'm gone. Have a great weekend. I'll talk to you on Tuesday. Bye.